and hello and welcome to messages and methods i'm your host shelly carney and toby Eunice. that's toby tonight we're going to be talking about the evolution of blogging how it got started how toby was a big part of it and where it's at now and uh what we're going to do with it now and in the future so stay and, tuned for that and i want to talk a little bit about why people should consider blogging even though sometimes it's considered very last century last millennium uh yeah. but in the context of expanding your uh social media presence it's a great tool for it especially if you're not comfortable in front of cameras you know uh -huh, like yeah. you are i yeah. tend to be the wallflower so blogging is actually good for me yeah, yeah that's right blog, blog, blog. Blog. all right um uh, okay let's do this let's do it If you are in your 50s or older, we've got something wonderful to share with you. Do you want to produce a live stream, podcast, and blog to quickly expand your brand and business? Or would you like to visit with us, tell us your story and share your message with the world? Experience Messages and Methods live stream podcast with Shelley Carney and Toby Eunice. Every week we come together to discuss topics related to encore entrepreneurs, content marketing, live streaming video, podcasting, and blogging. We share stories, experiences, and knowledge to help others in their journey to creating a highly visible online presence. Subscribe today and become a part of our treasured community. Wait, one more. And over to you. All right. So tonight we are in the middle of a week of talking about blogging. Last night we talked about the technology that we use to create, upload, post, distribute, uh, increase SEO, all about blogging uh, technology. Tonight we're going to tell, tell stories, right? Because messages and methods is about telling our life stories, our experiences, and the knowledge and lessons we've learned along the way. And that which we'd like to share with others. That's right. Uh, so specifically about blogging, we're going to dive in. I have a few questions. So Toby, when did you start blogging and why? And I know that's two questions, but I thought it would help you. It's also a why the question. Story. Yeah, why did you start blogging? <laughs> you're breaking all that? my why? journalism rules. I know, but. I know. Basically, I could reword it if you yeah. want. No, no, Why? No. What was your what reason for doing it? So let, let's that? start with when. I started <laughs> in around 1999 with a product at the time that was called TypePad. Mm. It was one of the premier uh, blogging platforms. There was no blogger. There was no Google. There was no platform, you know, no Tumblr uh, out there, no WordPress. Um. And it was around for a long time. I, oh, it was through probably the mid to late 2000s. But TypePad positioned itself as one of those. And, and you had a free version, and then you had pay-for version. If I remember correctly, the paid-for version was $7 a month, and that gave you everything. 
you know, uploading pictures and things like that. And that's when a blog post did not include video because you didn't have, if you were making videos, you didn't have, I, I don't think we had YouTube until 2006. Mm -hmm. So there was no way to embed your videos from another location. You could upload them if you had a uh, internet service faster than, you know, your phone. And, and that was kind of when you went to blogging because that's all the internet would, uh, the internet capabilities at the time, mm -hmm. considering that most of the time you were using your family's phone service to do this. There was no high speed. Well, there was high speed ethernet, but that was limited to the government and businesses. We didn't have access to it. The only way we had access to the internet was various rates of modems. And I remember, you know, a $400, 14,400 KBOD modem, and that was like the cat's pajamas, as we used to say back then. Um, so blogging was a cool option because it didn't re uh, require a lot of bandwidth. Um, and if you were a storyteller, and so uh, as a documentarian, as a trained journalist, a uh, journalism major, uh, one of the things that I always wanted to do was tell stories whether they were mine or somebody else's. Generally speaking, I spent most of my career telling other people's stories. But as I got progressively older, I found out I had some pretty interesting stories of my own and I wanted to share them with people. And because I couldn't do uh, uh, video making, I, can't do I couldn't do streaming, none of those tools were available to me. My only choice was blogging. And not that, and we talked about this yesterday, not that I perceived myself as a great writer, but uh, it gave me the opportunity to express what I was experiencing, share it with others. And because uh, uh, blogs were uh, kind of the only alternative in terms of social communication to uh, AOL's chat rooms, right? Because those were the limitations. That was, the, that was social media at the time, an AOL chat room. But a blog was another way of communi communicating, and you could write a story, go into a related uh, AOL chat room, tell them about your blog, and then go and visit, read the story, and comment on it. So it was that same feedback loop, outbound, inbound, that we use today on things like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and all those others. That was as close as we got to engaging in feedback that was based on our uh, creati creativity. Some established blogs that have photos in them. Some went through the trouble of uploading videos and things like that. But for the most part, it was words generally and occasionally supported by images. And it satisfied that need to communicate your thoughts to the outside world and uh, have some feedback come uh, back to you. So the why, the, the when, uh, we went to the Wayback Machine. We found material as old as 2004. So that was, what, 17, 18 years ago? Mm -hmm. But I started in late 1999 because that's when I got, well, I had been sailing uh, probably since the 80s on the Chesapeake Bay. But in 1999, I got my last boat, a Cal 30. And um, all my boats had been named a Gypsy's Kiss. But this was a pretty impressive boat. And I did a complete restoration on it. It took me two seasons to get it completely restored and looking like it was brand new, even though at the time it was a 1977. So at the time it was 20 years old, but it looked like it, by the time I was done with it, it came out of the plant. So I just wanted to tell that story of, uh, of uh, restoring the boat. I, I, restoring is not the right word. Refinishing, you know, just cleaning it up. It had sat in a lot. I actually got it and uh, it had been donated to some nonprofit uh, 
and the nonprofit auctioned it off on eBay. Mm -hmm. And I think I paid 1400 bucks for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I went to see it and it was in a boat yard. It was out of the water and it was, all the components were there. You know, there was nothing missing, but it hadn't been, it hadn't received any TLC for years. And so I wanted to document the process of turning this ragamuffin into the beautiful ship it eventually became. It, and it was seaworthy. You could sail outside the Chesapeake and, and the, into the Atlantic. And there was a point in time where I considered just like, okay, let me see how far I can get, you know, before my family panics. Um, and so I wanted to tell that story. And then that led to other adventures. And then I realized that with this blog, not only was it about my sailing adventures, you know, my restoration sailing adventures, it was about the things that were happening. I was, I traveled, I still traveled a lot. I spent a lot of time overseas. And one of the articles we saw was my, the conspiracy between Lebanon and Syria. That was 2005. I had just gotten back from my uh, second tour in Iraq, third, actually third, because I was there in the early 90s as well. Uh, So I had a lot of stories to tell and I wanted to share them. And then I, there was some point at which uh, people asked, uh, the, the people that were reading my blog said, you know, you write such beautiful stories. Do you ever do any fiction? So I literally started writing blog posts that were, com- well, not complete fiction. They were based on a little bit of fact, but, but they were fiction. And those got a really tremendous amount of response. Like, oh, this is very good. You should write a book, you know? And at the time, like today, you, you know how, how much effort I put into working, you know, doing my share to get a gypsy's kiss out the door. And you, you and I both know that that's not easy for me to do, right? Now, if you want me to tell you the story, I can tell it from beginning to end and bore you for five hours. But, uh, but uh, back then, you'd get a response from people and they'd say, oh, and not that I ever, I, I have never thought of myself as, yes, I, I'm a writer. I can write books. I can write fiction. I can write nonfiction. I was a documentarian and I could do that. And that's what I did with my blog. When you say you got response from people, what does that mean? How did they respond to you? They, every blog, like today, as you well know, they make the blog available. If you choose to do so, every one of your posts is open to commentary, to writing comments. And so uh, back the, the way that I promoted my blog posts was there was several uh, AOL chat rooms based on sailing. As a matter of fact, the, the, the original story of A Gypsy's Kiss uh, somebody asked me one time in an AOL chat room, how did you get that name? And I started telling the story. And of course, it you know, you had a limited number of characters. And so I said, I'll tell you what, I'll write a blog post. So I wrote the blog post of the story. I went back. And then people started writing and say, can I, can, can I copy your story? And they put it in their blog. And they say, here's the story that Tor- Toby told about how he gave his boat how his boat was called the gypsy's kiss. Mm -hmm. And so there was this interaction that started with comment, commentating, promoting. And and at the time it wasn't a business making venture for me. I didn't, I didn't have a sense, but although I did see it in another way for business, making money out of it. Uh, So I'd go to the AOL chat rooms, find a common topic, jump in and ask if anybody was interested in reading my blog post about how my boat got its name. Was that a common thing to do? It was for me because, uh, again, I was always looking for some sort of response. And the only marketing, so you have to remember, my business was B to G, business to government. Right. 
I didn't, my conversations usually occurred with contractors and the various government agencies. So there wasn't any personal, we didn't transact and we didn't go to lunch. We didn't have coffee together. We did business together. Whether it was on the phone or face-to-face, it was always very impersonal, right? So you had to look for options. And like everybody else, I had a neighborhood uh, that I lived in and I loved my neighbors. They were all good people. But when it came to things like blogging, internet, they, 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 the only internet experience they had was what they did at work mm-hmm. in their banks and their government jobs and their you know, uh, various services from Navy, Army, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard. And uh, so uh, the idea that you could kind of develop this at home, I think I recall even in Washington, I was the, one of the first people on our block with a home computer, an Apple, uh, an Apple 3C, I think it was called. And that was to some people that was just like, oh, you must be a real geek, you know, uh, and it wasn't anything like that. So there wasn't a lot of people to talk to in the same way there is now. How many people, how many people at a party that we're at want to hear about what's the latest in live streaming and podcasting? <laughs> exactly. That's how it was back then with blogging and, you know, online blogging on mm-hmm. TypePad. So, uh, so it satisfied uh, a social need that was based on the interaction with other people online. And, and there were lots of places you could do that, but I mean, the primary one at the time was uh, AOL, America Online, and I have the jacket to prove it. And uh, then a blog. Because there was no YouTube, there was no Facebook, there was no interactive chat, there was no live streaming, there was none of that. Mm-hmm. There was simply this community, I mean, interactive in the sense that you were in a chat room and you could exchange commentary with everybody in the chat room, or you could go to the, uh, what did they call them, uh, PM, private messages, and you could jump out of the chat room and have a conversation with someone. I never found that, uh, it always ended up kind of either argumentative or romantic and I wasn't in the mood for either. So. Okay. So what did you get out of blogging? Uh, I'm hearing it was a social outlet. You could find people who had some of the similar interests to you that uh, you had to find them online because you weren't finding them in your neighborhood. Yeah. There were no other sailors in my neighborhood. As a matter of fact, when we'd invite people to sail, they'd start getting like real nervous. Well, how's, is it going to be, are you going to heal over? You know, they were, they were all worried about you healing over into the wind. And uh, we, we've never done that. Do you, uh, don't you have a regular boat? And I did have a power boat at one time, but it wasn't half as much as fun as sailing. Mm. It didn't require a lot of, a lot of interaction with the elements. Um, so it was a form of social interaction independent of the face-to-face interaction. You know, our neighborhood was a upper middle class neighborhood, Washington, D.C. suburb. Everybody was employed either by the government or government contractors. Uh, and uh, they were party goers. I mean, there was a, every weekend somebody was having a, a backyard party, a, including us. Um, and one of the, as a matter of fact, one of the ways I used to take advantage of that is when I came back from a weekend of sailing. And I think I've told you this story. I'd call Laura and I'd ask her if she'd want any crabs. And uh, she'd say, yeah, bring a bushel home, bushel of crabs home. At the time, you could get a bushel of crabs for 65 bucks. And uh, so I'd tell her on the way and 
uh, I'd pick up some corn and some sausage and some other things. And by the time I got there, the picnic tables were laid out. They were covered in brown paper. The utensils for beating up on the poor crabs were there. I'd put them in a pot. You put that many in a pot and it takes about, I don't know, you boil them for 20 minutes while they scream into being red and dead, as we used to call it. And, uh, and I don't eat crabs. I didn't eat them. But, uh, but there were, but everybody in the neighborhood and they would just sit down and, and do that. And that, that was literally another form of social interaction. You know how much I like having parties, uh, even though I didn't eat crab, the sausages and the corn were for me uh, because I wasn't about to fight those crab for that little tiny bit of meat that you get up. Um, but that's what it was. It was a form, it was an alternative form of social interaction that you could do anytime or the night or day. And that you could get feedback on what you were writing and you could, you could give others feedback. You know, they'd always, if they'd come on your blog and make a comment, they'll say, please check out my latest blog post. And you do that. You'd read them. Some of them were good. Some of them weren't, uh, but you'd comment one way or the other. You'd always give them a nice comment to tell them how good their work was or, you know, mm-hmm. and you found out about other people you found out there were people just like you and people that weren't like you at all. It was less, I remember it being less about politics, religion, and uh, and government back then. It was more about hobbies and uh, uh, personal tastes and avocations, like in my case, sailing. In other people's cases, you know, it could be anything from crocheting to, to uh, Laura had a whole group of people that were, uh, the, they make the blankets. What's that called? Your mom does it. Knit. Not knitting. The pieces quilting, quilting, quilting. My mom doesn't quilt. Oh, she doesn't. <laughs> somebody I don't, know, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Laura had a big community of quilters, and so I showed her. Look, there's blogs about quilting, and there's women that are quilting. There was no, there was no Pinterest. There were none of these other products that developed. So it was one of the few products where you could interact with others online, uh, and not be limited by time. What I used to refer to as time or space. You don't have to be in the same time zone, and you have to be. Don't be in the. You don't have to be in the same location. So how has blogging changed and evolved since the early days? Well, uh, it has become more visible. It is uh, dominated by the influencers because there are blogging like any other. Um, and it has become more... Um, what's the right word for it? More uh, categorized, right? There, there's niches. Mm-hmm. There's the hobby niche. There's the boating niche. There's the power boating niche. There's the sailing niche. There's the uh, liberal Democrats niche. There's the conservative Republicans niche. There's the Trump Republic. You know, so it's more. Uh, it's it's characterized by everybody's found a little box to fit themselves into that may or may not be, you know, there are blogs where people talk about their life, but it is rare anymore that you say, if Laura had started, she might've talked about, oh, today we got another foster baby. And then she would talk about what it was like to get the new foster baby and the experiences that she had and what she was doing. Uh, so to, a mommy blog. <laughs> uh, well, and that's what it became. Yeah. Right. So before it was Laura talking about, now it's a mommy blog right. and she's an influencer mm-hmm. and she's looking not only for people to read her blog, she's looking for people to buy the products that she's selling on Amazon. 
So that's, I think that's where the, it's, it's a, like everything else in life, it eventually ends up, if you can't generate revenue with it, mm -hmm. then why do it? Right. Commercial. It's very it, commercial. It's, it's commercial and that can be both good and bad. Uh, but it is rare that you go to a blog, uh, whether it's where that's successful, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's getting a lot of views that doesn't have a commercial uh, angle to it. And the reason is, uh, if you uh, have a mommy blog and you have uh, 1 million followers, even if you don't do anything about it, uh, Gerber Foods or Pampers is going to come to you and ask you if you'd like to start promoting their product. That's how influencers are born, yeah. right? right? Influencers are born by building up a big following and then waiting for the uh, 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 commercial enterprises to come to them and say, would you mind marketing my uh, my Pampers. And the nice thing about it is back in the olden days, there was always the ROI. If you want to make money selling my Pampers, I have to sell 2 million Pampers. Right. And then you'll get it. That was the, and I'm just using that as an example. The old ROI model was thrown out with influencers. Influencers mm -hmm. don't have to produce uh, uh, fixed results. Mm -hmm. Right. Nobody comes to them and says, I want you uh, to promote my cologne on your Instagram account. Because they're not a salesperson, they're a brand. Right. That's exactly it. That's what an influencer is, mm -hmm. right? They've established a brand and they have a following that, that literally listens to every word that comes off uh, out of their lips or uh, puts into their Twitter account. And the other thing uh, that's occurred in, in that is that the blog post of you know, 2,000, 2,400 words, which at the time was a decent blog post, has been reduced to, uh, what is it, 240 characters on Twitter, uh, an image with a couple of comments and a bunch of hashtags on Instagram, a 60-second video or 15 to, now they have up to three minutes, but up to three minutes video on TikTok. Uh, so the uh, if someone were to say to you, well, I write a 2,400 word blog post every day and it has good content, you're going to struggle with getting readers of your blog uh, if you don't have an Instagram account or a Twitter account uh, or a TikTok account, uh, including YouTube and Facebook, to push them there. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the influencer comes, you might have an influencer's blog, but I guarantee you that influencer's blog is connected to other social media platforms that don't require 2,400 words. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems to me now, there were experiments done with children uh, over the past many decades where they would offer the children uh, a task to do. And um, for some of the children, it was just the, the, the pride of having completed the task. Mm -hmm. And uh, other children, received a reward and they were told you'll get a reward or you'll be basically paid with, you know, a toy or mm -hmm. a snack or something. If you do this job, mm -hmm. the children who were given the job, the task for the joy or the pride of having completed it, not only completed the task, but they then went on and did more. Mm -hmm. Uh, for instance, that they were doing a crossword puzzle and they and they finished the one they were assigned to do. Then they would go on and do the next one because they enjoyed it. The ones who were paid to do it only did exactly what was required and no more to get that reward. It seems to me that blogging has 
been following that path. In the beginning, everybody was blogging to share their lives, right. to connect with others, right. to, to just express their creativity, and they did it for the enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Now it's become a commercial enterprise. Why should I blog? What's in it for me? Right. Am I going to make any money at this? How am I making, how soon can I make money? You know, and it's, and it's become that. And not just blogging, but all social media has gone that way. Mm-hmm. But the way of the influencer. Well, you know, uh, Caitlyn Jennings got this much money. And, you know, the Kardashians made this much money. And uh, just because they're promoting their, you know, this makeup or doing this, that, or the other thing. Youngest billionaire, uh, Chloe, or is it Chloe? I One don't, of the Kardashians I, you'll, you'll because she's promoting makeup. And... That's the dream, right? It's not. I have a passion. I have a message. I want to share with the world. Let me do that. Mm -hmm. Just give me a platform and I'll go. It's not that anymore because the platform is there for everybody. It's easy to access that platform now. Now it's, oh, well, pay me and then pay me. You know, where's my money? Where's my return? How many people am I, how many likes am I getting? How much money am I getting? Where's, you know, where's the perks? Where's the sponsorships? Where's all that? It's, it's, it's uh, become so commercial that people have lost the joy of it, right? It, I think that's one part of it. The other part of it is the, what you need is the um, stimulus, the impetus necessary to go ahead and blog because you've realized or you're hoping that somebody finds what you're writing interesting enough to respond to it. Right. Either respond to it by responding on the blog and comment or respond to it by saying, I took your advice and I did this. The problem with uh, today's society, uh, media driven society, is that nobody has the time to listen to someone else. If And that's why there was an interesting article, I think it was I was reading yesterday, and and the top part said, who are the most who? do you find the most important people in the world? And the first list was plumbers, um, welders. It was a bunch of blue collar type workers that build things right effectively. And then the second list was influencers, YouTube stars, (laughs) uh, television personalities, movie stars, things like that. Right. And the, the percentage different, the television, the one, the, ones that are in the influence class, 72% of the people said, these are the people who I've influenced by. Right. Not the people that actually do that kind of work that produces tangible results. Well, and that speaks to the comfort that we live in. Uh, If it were in such a case that uh, we, we lost power, we didn't have water, we would immediately be uh, wondering and, and hoping, uh, could that plumber come visit me and that electrician come visit me and, and, and do this work? And, we, and their, their value would go sky high in our estimation. And, and that's it's how what, much we need them. And that's what happened to Texas uh, this last winter where they lost their power and heating capabilities. And people were looking around going like, I don't know how to fix this. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to freeze. And it got progressively worse. And uh, Texas, of course, like other states, has a law uh, against uh, you taking advantage of it. There's a name for it. I can't remember what it is. 
when you take advantage of a situation price by gouging price gouging, something like that. Like that. They have a law against that. So there wasn't a lot of price gouging, but there were a limited number of plumbers and electricians and people who could help you figure out what, what happens when your air conditioner pipes break into your living room, you know, um, and so that's when they see the value and there's no YouTube channels that are going to help you with that. There's no influencers. Are going to, as a matter of fact, the influencers are going to head towards Cancun if they, but yeah, I think that's the challenge. And, um, uh, and I have to admit that part of what we recommend to people is that you look at these, uh, as a way to express your expertise in order to generate an income. And this simply is another form of that. But the advantage is, you know, you know, we have uh, that one client, Coffee Brown, Dr. Coffee Brown. Uh, and you guys know the story by now because I've told it more than once and maybe some of you experienced it. But Coffee called us way back at the beginning of the pandemic and he said, I'd like to do a show uh, on the pandemic. And, and he actually asked us, what would that cost me? And we said, nothing. Let's go ahead and do it. I th- I, we had a we had a show on Monday night that we weren't having very much fun with anyway. I don't even remember what it was. Or did we move stuff around? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so he told him, let's do this every Monday <laughs> we night. We moved stuff around because you, you let go of Yeah, the I let go of things. Project. Yeah. Oh, okay. So um, every Monday night for 37 weeks, we talked about the coronavirus. No, it wasn't every Monday night. We went to every other Monday after. Oh, we did after a couple of months. All right. Yeah. So anyway, the point is, uh, n- n- there was no need for us. There was no revenue being generated for anybody about that. And when you asked to ask coffee, we used to ask coffee, how do you feel about it? We're not, there's no money that's going to be made here. You're not going to get, you know, there's not enough money to get YouTube revenues to keep everybody happy if, if uh, we got that many views. And he said he was okay with it. And then after that was done, after we decided to shut that down, he called us a couple of weeks later and he said, I want to start interviewing doctors in specialty areas of medicine. We said, okay, that's where uh, the... Uh, what's new in health and medicine came along. He does that once a month. He has these really, and we get to sit in on him. Uh, he has these really interesting conversations with these doctors that have areas of specialty. The last one was disaster medicine. And um, who knew, you know, who knew there was a specialty in disaster medicine? We just thought everybody, all the EMTs ran in that direction. Um, <laughs> but so we asked him, well, why do you want to do this? And he says, I want to leave a legacy behind. Because once you meet Coffee Brown, you learn real quickly that his brain is filled with everything. He was over at my house for a party this last weekend. We ended up in a conversation with Shelley's son about the various forms of Marxism and why Mao Zedong and uh, Karl Marx never gave credence to the capitalism was going to win. It was just like he picked up on it and he started asking, playing the Socratic method. And he started asking uh, Shelley's son, Jared, some pretty tough questions. Now, honestly, he did a real good job of answering him, uh, answering them, but he's a doctor. Why, why does he want to have a conversation? How does he want to have a conversation on the politics of Marxism? Uh, or the, or actually the economics of Marxism versus capitalism. So we had this really cool conversation with him and that's Coffee Brown. He just, he's got a legacy and he wants to share that. And if nobody ever, if he never gets any recognition for creating a YouTube channel called What's New in Health, he doesn't care. He knows it's there and he knows he's doing the right thing for him. So 
Okay. I would like to, um, well, we're going to talk a little bit about why is blogging still important for entrepreneurs, but let's go take a step back first. And I would like for you to show uh, the blog that we found from 2004, 2005. Just give people an idea of what it used to be like, <laughs> uh, what types of things you were writing about. And uh, all right, let's switch over. Fun. Let's open this up. All Going right, to the Wayback Machine. So, here. we went to, as you can see up here, we went to the Wayback Machine and uh, we found these articles. The oldest one that the Wayback Machine was Sunday, December 4th. And the, the article is entitled My Crush on Susie Pats. And uh, at the time, there was a uh, video, uh, a producer of video uh, control technology, software, and um, hardware, and it was called Serious Magic. Now, there is another one right now called Black Magic. There were two different companies, Serious Magic eventually. So anyway, they had a woman who used to do their training videos, and she was so good that I ended up, you know, crushing on her. So I ended up establishing the and appointing myself the president of the unofficial Susie Pats fan club of the universe. Um, and and if you wanted to uh, join Susie, you could join Susie. You could join the fan club, etc. And I, you know, it was just that was something. I don't want to say it was important, but that was something I wanted to write about. So I wrote about it. This one is the Coastal Flats Alternative, and um, I don't even know what that thing is. You come over here around 9.30, I'll teach you how to make turtles. Uh, don't know. Anyway, those are the kinds of things. I need a coastal flats fix. I'd, uh, so I used to re refer to my daughters rather than by their names, by I described them. So the baby is now is now 33 and just had her first baby. Uh, just inform me she's doing an out-of-house sleepover with her 12 closest friends. Since I haven't been out for three consecutive weekends, I'm thinking it's Coastal Flats. Not oh, Coastal Flats was a restaurant and bar in downtown Fairfax, in, um, in Fairfax Town Center. So there was a whole bunch of... So this is... All right, so uh, this is a story about me meeting someone at Coastal Flax. <laughs> I need to print that She out. says, you're that. the gypsy's kiss guy, right? Uh, never quite certain whether to admit anything personal to a complete stranger, even a pretty one. I asked, how'd you come to that conclusion? She said, I heard Jason call you the name. It's Toby. Yes, it's Toby. Yes. So it's simply a uh, the story of my interaction with someone else at a place called Coastal Flats, which at the time was my favorite uh, go-to place. Wow, this is a really long story. Very cool. All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so that's what I was writing about. You can see uh, over here. Let me see if I can open that up a little bit so you can see it. So these are the recent posts, and this was like 2004, post-Christmas shopping spree, a category called family, Merry Christmas, my crush on Susie Pats, Coastal Flats alternative, I need a Coastal Flats fix in case you're wondering why today we give thanks, seven reasons why. And then uh, there were photo albums. The, the photo albums, as we clicked in, were not there. And of course, as usual, I was uh, biking on the WNOD trail. Let me see if I can get to that picture. Yeah. So uh, well, there's a gallery there. Yeah, but 
but the it can't find those. Yeah. So the W and the OD trail, yeah. So it isn't uh, it isn't available. But the Wayback Machine got us back to those blog posts where back to 2004, uh, where I was storytelling. All right. Deuced, expressive expression, photo blog central, the takers of pictures, counting sheep. You have to love the way she thinks. Photography can be poetry, unsettled, and she is too, but she makes for interesting reading. So that those were those were blogs that I followed. Oh, right. Okay. So they could you could do that. One of the parts of the blog of you know expanding your social media presence was to follow other bloggers, post them to TypePad, and then other people could see who you were reading. You know, and they would do the same. You know, it was very much like uh, if you subscribe to my YouTube channel, I'll subscribe to yours. Mm -hmm. So sure. All right. Well, that was very cool. Um, now, last night we showed our current blog on WordPress. So if you're interested in looking at that, uh, you can go to AGK's media studio at dot wordpress.com and you can see our more our up-to-date blog. But I I think these are so fun that we can go back and, and see what you were doing back in 2004. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. This is a really long story. I mean, yeah. this is, oh, this is a different, I'm sorry. That's a different red, red eye, eye romance. romance. So now you got to remember this was after I was divorced. So these aren't. Uh, That's right. Okay. So, um, so let's go back to the question that I had of why is blogging still important for entrepreneurs? Well, it's a special, let's, uh, I, I would say I wouldn't use the word still in that sentence. It is especially important for entrepreneurs uh, because it's another way to expand your social media presence via SEO, branding, and marketing. Uh, and there are there are people still read. If they, if there was if there were people who didn't read, there wouldn't be a medium. There wouldn't be a WordPress. Some there wouldn't be a blogger. There wouldn't be a Tumblr. Uh, so. You know, it's one thing to say I. I there wouldn't be books. There wouldn't be books. <laughs> I blog on Twitter. You know. That's not blogging. That's just expressing opinions in 240 characters or less. But all those other platforms are busy. And some of them you can go to Tumblr and you can see a broad variety of topics uh, from the hobbyist to the professional, from the non-political, the apolitical to the political, from the atheist to the religious. You know, so there's a broad variety and people are reading them. Otherwise, they wouldn't write them. You know, they're there for a reason. Uh, now, I haven't, you know, our blogging is mostly related to uh, what we're doing here and how we're creating content and how we ex express that content. But the simple fact of the matter is what you're looking uh, the reason blogging, to answer your question, the reason blogging is so important is because it's another alternative uh, another opportunity to expand your social media presence without a lot of effort. So uh, there's a point at which I'm going to want to explain that with our, our creative campaign framework. Well, why don't you do that? Is that okay? You had that all set up. Yeah, I do. So I'll, let's I'll get into get that. To that. Let me go back here and we're going to switch over to this screen. By the way, we have a new touch screen here and I can do Did this you stuff. you want to change cameras? 
Uh, no, this one is fine. I'm okay with it. So excuse me because the screen that I'm working with is over here. So I'll be turning away from you. But so the creative campaign framework is, is says that what you start with is a topic related to your business. So today we're talking about blogging, right? We're live streaming at and the topic is blogging and it's related to our business because that's what we suggest to the people who enter our uh, boot camp. Uh, or, or enter our one week long intensive program to go from zero to social media presence in one week in five days, actually. Five days to finish. Yeah, five days to finish. Intensive 101 producer. So training. let me, I'm going to put this in present mode so I can use the whole screen. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so you start with right at the top here topics related to your business. Maybe I could use it here. I can. I do this over here. Topics related to your business. Let me open that up as wide as I can get it, right? Topic related to your business. And then you do a video presentation or an interview. So if I were to, to I, I think next Wednesday, mm -hmm. we're interviewing uh, a woman who is an encore entrepreneur. She has her own business. She knows us. Uh, she went through our uh, training course. We'll show you that in just a minute. Uh, and she wants to be on our show, so, but it's going to be uh, on the talk, topic of, in, in the case of messages and methods, uh, storytelling. And so she's going to, we're going to let her tell her story. Now, her story is about a plus 50 encore entrepreneur. That's where the storytelling comes in. So you've got that video presentation or interview right here. The result is a video. Well, that video can be placed on, and, and I'll, I'll talk about how the live stream goes. If you're just talking about it, uh, a video, uh, is it live or recorded? You ask yourself. If it's live, then you multi-stream it to YouTube and Facebook and other opportunities. There's other, there's lots of other video platforms. Twitch is one. Facebook is one. You can now um, uh, live stream to uh, TikTok. So that whole concept of live streaming to a variety of platforms is going to become more and more available and more and more prolific for people who are interested in doing that. If it's recorded, then you do an upload, but you can upload it to the same platforms. All right. Uh, once you've done that, you ask yourself, is this uh, a scripted video? And generally speaking, if it's uh, not a scripted video, you can have it transcribed into an audio file. And once you have that audio file, you can create uh, a podcast from that using Anchor FM. Um, if, it, if it is scripted, then you can still create the blog post. So now I have an audio file that came directly off this live stream. It's what we do. Because when we finish here, we literally go to Anchor FM and we upload the audio version of this into a podcast. And then we go to either Temi, depending on, on how much we want to do with it, or Descript, and we turn that uh, turn it into a transcript. And that transcript is then put into blog posts on LinkedIn and WordPress and um, Medium. Medium. Okay? So the advantage to doing this is uh, why it's so important is number one, blogging is easy because you don't have to do a lot of writing. Mostly you have to make videos, uh, uh, have them transcribed, take the audio portion, have it transcribed. Then you edit that and turn it into your blog post. And so now I have social media presence on, in this case, video uh, video presence on Facebook and YouTube. And on YouTube, we're going to two different channels. On Facebook, we're going to five different channels. Um, I also have 
uh, presence on Anchor FM, which is a podcasting uh, platform, a distribution platform, and it distributes to Google, Spotify, Realcast, Pubcast, et cetera, et cetera. I think it does up to 10 different, uh, 10 different uh, hosting platforms. So Anchor FM is a distribution platform. Um, Spotify is a hosting platform. It automatically distributes it, distributes it to those 10 platforms. You don't have to do anything. Just put it up on Anchor FM. And then after I transcribe it, I can make a blog post and social media post. But let's say, here's here's my fascination with this and why I love the idea. Uh, I always I, I have in the past talked about a gentleman whose name is Studs Terkel. Studs worked for a radio station in Chicago back in the 50s. And one day, uh, someone bought, uh, the, the company bought a portable Wallensack recorder. Wallensack was a big name at the time. Uh, it was expensive, and, but it was portable. It had a battery. The battery was as big as the electric battery on my bike, my electric bike. It was huge, but he could sling it over his shoulder. He could go out, he could switch it, and it was reel-to-reel tape, right? Mylar tape. And he could go outside and he could start talking to people. From that day forward, Studs Terkel quit being a radio announcer. Actually, he wasn't even an announcer. He was an engineer. He quit being a radio station engineer and became an interviewer of what he called plain folk, the American on the street. And he went all over the, the United States to do that. Actually, he went over the world. And every couple of years, he would publish a book on a topic that was related to the conversations that he was having. And there was very little editorial in it. He would, he would write the foreword to the book. He would write introductions to the chapters. And then he would just present the interviews and the conversations he had with individual Americans on various topics, World War II, the, you know, coming out of World War II, et cetera. I want to do one now on 9-11. And all I would have to do is have conversations and every one of those. So imagine if I had a show on YouTube where I was streaming my conversations with people who have memories of 9-11, then I transcribe that. It becomes a blog post and I take that transcription and I upload it. Well, I format it and eventually I upload it to KDP, uh, Kindle. Kindle direct publishing, direct publishing, which is the Amazon publishing product, which is how we built uh, a gypsy's kiss. Our last book. Uh, and I turned that into a book, you know, Americans' thoughts on 9-11. And, but, but all you did was do an interview on a live stream. So you're exp- constantly expanding with just one little conversation like today, right? If I wanted to write a book from this, we'd transcribe it, we'd edit it, and it would be part of a book called Expanding Your Social Media Presence. And this would, this, the topic of this one would be why you blog, why you should blog, Right. And what benefit is there? But as you go down here and you see all these things that you can create from them, that transcript, uh, uh, you can create blog posts, chapters for a book, lead magnets. Show them one of your lead magnets here. Here. I've got one here. Here's one called Client Attraction. There's another one called uh, Podcast Star. So you can create those lead magnets to generate uh, email lists, people on email lists that you can send more information every time you uh, write a script or do another blog. And then yeah, um, on the other screen. Oops. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, and they're already in their email course worksheets and resources. And a lot of the things that we develop for our courses 
actually come as the result of conversations that we have on this and other of our programs. Uh, because we realize that uh, people who are struggling with these uh, technologies now, trying to develop a platform for this social media presence, you know, the plus 50 crowd, they're experts at something. It could be plumbing or it could be financial management. But each of them could have a live stream where they talked about the expertise, uh, expressed the expertise in their particular topic. And then, and then that video became a transcript, became a, uh, became a podcast, became uh, a uh, blog post, and became a, eventually a book. And so just by doing, I keep reaching for that, just by doing one little thing, making a video every week, you're creating a, a piece of content that you can leverage into a lot of other different platforms of different types, different categories, and therefore expand your social media presence. Because when Google goes to, uh, uh, when somebody um, uh, goes onto Google and asks the question, why should I blog? Well, eventually, not only are they going to get this video, but they're going to get uh, a podcast and they're going to get a one or, or more blog entries and eight, maybe sometime uh, a book that's called Expanding Your Social Media Presence, Chapter 22, Why Should I Blog? So uh, that's why it's important today. Now, if you're the kind of person that wants to write fiction, if you're the kind of person that wants to talk about uh What's that making? Quilting. If you're the kind of person like me that wants to talk about microscopes, make a blog. It's all free. We showed, we showed them last night. You, can, you don't have to pay anything to have a blog to talk about what's your fancy. Now, you may even eventually turn that into revenue, uh, but there's nothing that prevents you from starting a blog that is independent of any revenue. It's just you talking about uh, the fun you're having with microscopes and connecting with other people who have fun with microscopes. I have an Instagram account, my personal Instagram account. My, I have, I don't know, 550 followers. I follow around 50. And about half of those are people who have, who are really good with a microscope and who, who's focus on uh, the micro microbial world, the stuff that you find in ponds that are invisible to the naked eye. But once you put them under the microscope, you realize a, there's a whole world in there. And B, here's the interesting fact, without them, we wouldn't exist because they produce a significant portion of the oxygen that surrounds planet, planet Earth. So anybody can do it. That's right. You just have to have a passion for it. Right. Because if you don't, uh, you'll lose interest pretty quickly. And then uh, you can't, Imagine, oh, I'm, I'm only going to blog if I make money from it. Because if you do that, you're going to lose interest really quickly. Just like the kids who were paid to do their, their assignment and then lost interest as soon as they were done with it. They, it wasn't fun for them. It became work, right? Because you do the work, you get paid. And in their minds, it became work. It was no longer fun. Even if it was, hey, play with these toys for 20 minutes and then we're going to pay you ten dollars it was no longer fun to play with those toys because they only had they only did it for the money it became 
their job, it became work. So <laughs> find a topic that is exciting, that you have a passion for, that you really want to explore, and that you want to share with others and then have them come and share with you on the same topic. And when you do that, it may make money in the future and it may not, but it is not going to matter to you so much because you you get the enjoyment out of just the work itself. And if you can combine your passion with your uh, entrepreneurial desires, uh, as we have, right? Our passion we we Shelly was here at three o'clock today, which was four hours before, and all we talked about was this stuff, right? And how to hook up this extra thing, and how to hook up this camera, and what what are we going to talk about tonight? You know, this is not only uh, a business for us; it's our passion. We took a call from someone who says, "What do you charge for using your studio to make uh, uh, training videos?" We had that conversation. So this is our business and it's our passion. Now, independent of that, we have other passions. Shelly has a gardening passion. I have a microscope passion. You know a little enough about us that we have other things that we're interested in. And sometimes it turns into a YouTube channel. And if it turns into a YouTube channel and doesn't generate a penny in revenue, we're okay with that. I mean, for we've, we've both done it. We both had channels that are independent of whether or not we're uh, producing uh, revenue on them. But if you're an encore entrepreneur, if you have an expertise, whether it's plumbing or financial management, and you want to grow a, um, a uh, sole proprietorship around that business and do it using um, uh, not only social media, but the technology that gets you into social media, this is the way to do it. And that also is what we're experts at. That's why we can help others. And that's why we're always looking on the lookout for their encore entrepreneurs who are, who are interested in building a business uh, using the technology that allows them to expand their social media presence because that is where their customers are going to come from. So let's talk a little uh, bit about how people can be on our show as a guest to be interviewed um, if they want to do that. This so, is called Our Guest's Journey. Oh, you know what? It I is put that in the a short uh, introductory mini course that helps you get prepared for doing an interview with us on a live stream uh, platform. Super I just simple. put that link in here. Uh, but what it does is it walks you through the process with three short videos. Um, Hosted by yeah. my partner. Then, uh, at the bottom, it gives you links to follow through on the instructional steps, which include filling out an application, signing a release, and scheduling your interview with us. And the cool thing about it is everything's pop-up. So when I click on the... Uh, scheduling your interview, it goes uh, straight to that link and it tells you uh, what days are available. We know that on the 14th, someone's already booked that time, so it's not available to you, but the other days that are available are listed there. And then um, the nice thing about what Shelly does with these videos is that she explains effectively how to be a not only a good guest, but a productive one so that you get the opportunity not only to tell your story, but to uh, uh, provide a call to action to tell people what they can do to reach out to you or get in contact with you or get a freebie, 
all of that is explained in these uh, very nice videos that uh, Shelly's prepared on uh, this page. So and if you're you can interested get there. in being on the show with us on a Wednesday night to tell your story and connect with our audience and maybe even bring along your own audience, then uh, make sure to follow through on that. And Toby's got the link up there for you. And it will also be in the description box uh, below this video. Uh, I'm going to take you over to uh, Creative Campaign Producers Training. All right. So this is a brand new training that we just put up. We're very excited about it. And it basically teaches you to be a creative campaign producer. Uh, the, the framework, the creative campaign framework that Toby went over with all the little boxes and, and how things are all interconnected and how you can leverage your content. That is explained in the training and it offers you the opportunity to become a producer as well. And uh, we are here to support you to become a producer. So if you go to this site, uh, you'll be able to watch the videos, take the free training, and uh, get to learn all about what it is that we do and how we do it and why we do it and, and then how you can become involved in that as well. So this is a very short video. I'm going to play just the beginning of it. I don't know. Can you hear it up there? There's Let me no see. audio. Oh, I disconnected the audio from the uh, touchscreen. Right. So um, if you uh, listen to that video, it explains everything that you uh, need to do. You go down here, enter your name and your email address, press the green. Yes, I want the training now. And you will be taken to the page that has the five video, uh, five video training. Um, and it's free. Yeah. And it gives you all the basics of understanding um, uh, what to do to become a live streaming producer. And then you get the opportunity. We offer you a free one hour uh, what consultation. What, consultation, I guess is the best way to describe it, to see where the um, where the roadblocks are and uh, what you'd like to do about them. All right. Yeah. Okay. I think, did I have another one? I That's, oh, no, that, that was, was back to Gypsy's Kiss, Women in My Life. <laughs> Well, that, I have to read that. That was That's 2004 <laughs> when I did have, well, I have women in my life. They're just So that's or... blogging in a nutshell. It uh, started in the late 90s, basically uh, on the internet. There were, of course, other other blogs, more primitive things that were started way before then, I'm sure. Well, but there the were. internet really gave us that opportunity to connect with each other. Yeah. Well, the, the first versions of blogs were basically people writing their own HTML, right? And you just inserted your blog post in the HTML and you uploaded to whatever you were using for a server back then. It wasn't until later that companies like TypePad started developing and like everything else that we're using, what, what, what's behind what everybody's seeing right here is HTML and they insert uh, the video. Well, back then, companies like TypePad, and, and, and TypePad wasn't the only one. I remember several others at the time. I chose TypePad because it was kind of the user-friendliest. I don't remember picking those colors. Those are not my colors. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, back then, uh, the first bloggers were actually writing HTML in which, in which they inserted the text. And then it wasn't until a couple of years later when some of these products like TypePad, eventually WordPress, and the other 
blogging tools were made available to everyone so that you didn't have to write the HTML and, and, and it got progressively more complex. So you had to know more than HTML. You had to know C, C plus, uh, Ajax. There was a dozen different, uh, uh, languages that you had to learn in order to do it yourself, or you could just pay these guys seven bucks a month and they'd do everything for you. All you had to do was write. Yeah. So sometimes people may wonder, why are you telling me how hard it used to be and how easy it is now? Why do you tell me these things? Because we want you to know that it's easier now than ever. Uh, and because there's so many opportunities and there's so many choices in the world, sometimes it paralyzes us with too much, right? It's there's too many opportunities. I can blog, I can make videos, I can make a podcast, I, you know, I can post on social media. It's going to take up all my time. I'm all overwhelmed. Well, the thing is, you can do it all at once with just one live video and then branch out from there. So you just get started with one thing and then add on and add on and add on. And we just want to tell you that it's simple to do because we want to give you that, that, that support and that encouragement to just get started and the rest will come. And if you need the help to understand the tech, to master the tech, that's what we do. That's why we're here. Connect with us. And we're happy to walk you through all of that. But the only caveat that I'd um, uh, recommend to all of that is that it doesn't have to be a live stream. You can record. You can make a recording and then go from there. You don't have to be and you don't want to live. be on camera for whatever reason. We can also work with you on just doing slide presentations. <laughs> and the, or, or the audio. Yeah. 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 So, so. it's all doable. And thank you all for being here tonight for Messages and Methods. And I am your host, Shelly Carney. And I just want to say I hope that you got a lot out of our blogging conversation this evening. And you'll join us again tomorrow when our topic will be why entrepreneurs should start a blog. And we're going to dive more deeply into the content marketing aspect of this and how it affects the entrepreneurs. So be here tomorrow, same time on the Shelly Corney live stream coach channel or in our Facebook group, leveraging your content. Yeah. By the way, I'm still looking for someone to take this, uh, this piano. Uh, if you can move it, you can have it. I, I don't know what to do. I don't play the piano. So. Oops, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do this. Thank you for joining us for the AGK Media Studio podcast with Shelly Carney and Toby Yunus. Please subscribe, leave a great review, and comment with questions or ideas for future shows. Share our podcast with your family and friends and discover how you can become a creative campaign producer at agkmedia.studio or join our Facebook group, Leveraging Your Content. Check the show notes for links and resources and please come back again next week.